Morning, folks. Um, well, we're done for today. Uh, not done for the class with the landscape of college football and the portal and and attrition that is is you know ever ever um, ongoing. I guess would be the way. You know, we're we're going to continue to recruit. Obviously, February signing day, and then probably on in through the summer as we get ready for, for fall camp. But for today. Everybody that we anticipated getting uh, an NLO and we got, uh, felt like we um, you know, had a good class put together, needs that were important to us. Feel, feel like it's a solid class. We have this conversation every year. You, you don't really know until you get them out on the field and develop them, but we, uh, we felt like the, the guys that signed with us today fit this place. What we're looking for on the field, positions of need, high school and veteran players both, about 50-50 in terms of how we – uh, organize the class to this point. You know, it's something that's important to us. We don't want to just go all one or the other. So we, we split it down the middle. And to be able to have a really good solid class here at home in Utah with nine guys signing uh, already. And honestly, probably more like 14 or 15 total when you consider some preferred walk-ons that we are actively pursuing and recruiting as well. So we want to, want to start here at home and build from there. Uh, we feel like it's it's a it's a class that that um, meets a lot of needs. Sixteen of these guys can be here in January, which is huge to go through spring ball. Uh, to have that many guys be able to add to the program, go through spring, get an entire off season with Paul Jackson and our staff, nutrition, and learn the system. That's huge. That's a large number. That's a little bit more than what we we're able to to bring in before. Uh, and we we as you said, we really attacked every position in some way or the other, but uh, we're not done. We'll continue to recruit through the holidays on into the spring semester and probably into August as well as, uh, as some attrition will create some other spots. But what questions do you have about the class and, and signing day? Coach, Tremblewood with Deseret News. Um, as far as the official list goes, you only have one senior that you're bringing in. You have a bunch of players who have multiple years of eligibility, especially among the JUCO ranks. I'm just curious how much of it – can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just curious how much of an emphasis was it to bring in, especially JUCO transfers who had multiple years of eligibility remaining? Well, I mean, we we try to stay away from one-year guys unless we feel like just um, the position is in a, in a, in a place where uh, we feel like the, the, the value of a one-year is, is going to impact our ability to win games next fall. And so we're always looking for guys that have two and three years left when we're talking about transfers. It's not a deal breaker in every case, but it is definitely a strategic conversation. We don't want to have a, a room that is overloaded uh, in the sense that you're going to have a, a ton graduate at one time, or you're going to have a guy maybe that can't find his way on the field and be frustrated. So strategically, uh, we look for guys with two and three years. We feel like we can continue to develop them. Uh, but most of it is based off of need. The room itself, is it developed yet where you can play with what you have on the roster? Have the young guys in the room developed, or do we see a gap between young and old? And so we tried our best to attack those positions with those thoughts in mind. And, and as you mentioned, only one one-year guy. But considering what we've graduated out of the safety room and the uh, experience that Mo has on the field at a high level, Felt like he really rounded out what we have. And he's got a bunch of versatility, can play several different spots. Coach, Jacob Nielsen, KSL.com. 
I imagine with how many young guys you have on the team and returners, it's got to be sort of a balancing act with uh, scholarship availability and everything. So how have you guys approached that with this recruiting class and considering all the current players that you have returning? Uh, yeah, I mean, we only had 10 seniors uh, in, in this class. I guess when you consider Jacob South coming out a year earlier, he, he, you know, his body just kind of gave out. So I think probably you count 10, 11, maybe 12 graduates. So all the other spots that, that we're dealing with are, are through attrition. We've had a handful of guys that were just not seeing themselves get on the field uh, as much as they'd like that have decided to go in the portal and look for lower level schools. And, and so far we've been able to place a handful of those. So the class is bigger than, than maybe the senior class looks like. And from there, it's what do we need at each position? We've got a target number in mind at every spot. We try to stay around that. We're not always perfect at that to get to 85. We have the luxury of being at 85, honestly, because of the waiver that was put in place last year. Uh, in past years, that was not as easy, but we can get to 85. So anybody that leaves the program can be replaced immediately. And that's where we've utilized the numbers and, and how we're able to sign a class as big as we have. Uh, because again, it wasn't a big senior class. There are a lot of young guys on the team, which is great. We want to build, we want to build each class up so that you've got 25, 26 seniors a year. Uh, similar to what we had a year ago, you saw how that worked. This year, a really small class. It typically, uh, it typically creates some some leadership concerns and just some depth concerns. We want to avoid that in years, uh, you know, coming up. Head coach Al Lewis from KBNU. Um, of the guys coming in, though, none of them are offensive linemen. And you mentioned South. You mentioned Edwards. Of well, and and Edwards has graduated or will leave. So you must feel good about the players you have at offensive line. I love our class at O-line. We are, we are still in the process of recruiting one spot. If we filled that one spot uh, with a veteran player to add some depth and some, and potentially a starting offensive tackle, depending on how everybody would go out in the spring and compete, we feel really, really good about the youth and, and the ability in the room. And that's why we took two high school in-state O-linemen that we thought were phenomenal players. So uh, we are not done there. We are in, we are battling, uh, for a guy right now at one of those positions, but but we didn't feel like the, the room needed an overhaul. Love the way these young guys are developing and feel like we've got a lot of starters in that room. They're just waiting to grow up and get on the field. Coach Anderson, Jason Turner from the Herald Journal. I did want to ask you a follow-up question about those two old linemen from the state of Utah. Those were guys that were pretty highly sought after, guys that had multiple Power 5 offers. Uh, and this is a position that you've you said, I remember that BYU game, your first year here, how you're like, we, we want to get better in, in, the, in that room. Uh, so how big of a deal was the beat out some, some um, highly known programs for those two in-state kids? Well, in-state kids that stay at home that have been recruited by Power Fives outside the state, that's, that's a huge win for us. We, uh, we know that the strength of our recruiting base honestly starts with the offensive and defensive line. I mean, you look at what historically the best players in the state the guys that have made the biggest impact going and play at the NFL, a lot of big guys up front on both sides and then the linebacker and tight end position as well. But we've got to win some of those battles, keep those guys at home, and keep building our fronts uh, here as best we can. So those were huge gets. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of power five offers between the two of them. And they will be obviously developmental guys, but you'd like to think a couple years down the road, they can factor in a, in a big, big way. Coach, Brian Phillips, Big Blue USU Aggie News. 
you brought in three safeties, a freshman, a sophomore, a Juco guy, and a four-year guy in Malone Matele. Do you expect all those guys to play the safety position? Could they maybe step up and play the striker spot? What are you thinking with those three? Well, we're, we're typically playing with three on any given down and with as much sub package stuff as we do four to five safety slash corners. Uh, we thought there was a lot of, of flexibility with the guys that we did sign. We, uh, we saw the ability to slide guys around, use what we already have. We're really, really happy with what uh, Dom and Ike are both doing. And, and I feel like we're going to just continue to add as much ability and, and skill to the room but with our sub package, the way we like to get after people and play play man coverage, you cannot have enough uh, enough really good guys in space. So we thought there was a need, and that's where we went after. We feel like all those guys bring value. Coach Anderson, Jason Turner again. I wanted to also ask you about Jaden Bailey. Here's a guy that you had a really battle for. Uh, he he committed during the summer, decommitted back in uh, November. Uh, so uh, how good did it feel to see your kind of persistence with him pay off? Yeah, I thought Chucky did a great job with him. Uh, probably much better job than I did when he decommitted. I got a little frustrated with the process, but we uh, tried to take our emotions out of it, look at it from a from really just a skill standpoint. Great kid, great family. I, I think there was some thoughts in his mind. Do I want to go that far away from home, being from San Antonio? But having come out here on a visit with his family and, and really feel like this was home, ultimately came back to us and had some. Had some really good offers and had a phenomenal year. MVP of the league that he played in at the highest level there in Texas. We all know that 6A football in Texas is really, really solid, and he had a great year. So I think Chucky did a phenomenal job and, and got to kind of give it to the family too, not giving up on the process, staying in contact with us, even though they were honest about the decommitment and just what they were thinking about and kind of struggling with. Ultimately came back to us, and I think he's got a great future ahead of him. Coach, Trent Wood with Deseret News again. You mentioned Malone Matalele. I'm curious what that recruitment was like, how quickly you guys contacted him after he entered the transfer portal. Pretty quickly after he went in the portal, we were in contact. I don't know if if he reached out to us or we reached out to him initially, but I, I know he was being flirted by several schools. I know Cal was one of the first to offer. Um, you know, he's got a family of his own. He's got a little one and, and, uh, and a, uh, a mama there that, that – and family in the area, I think staying here close and playing in our style of defense were two big keys there. He is a one-year guy, but <clears throat> with the experience he's got on the field and really his versatility, he could play field, play boundary, play nickel, and honestly could play corner if he needed to. He's very, very versatile. Uh, I, we thought he was a guy we, we, would, we would be crazy not to take. He, he's a plug-and-play player in a lot of different areas and should be a four-team special team impact player. So a lot of value in him. Coach Al, again, uh, you just mentioned him on the portal. What I'm hearing from coaches is it sounds like to recruit the portal, you've got to act as fast as you can. You can't you can't wait or something. Can you talk a little about that? And then the other thing that stands out to me is all the other guys from the South uh, kind of have ties or you can see how you got them. But where did Hiram Doosnip come from as a freshman out of Florida? Uh, you know, we've got a – that's a good question. I'll, I'll answer that one in reverse. You know, you, you – you never know. Somebody knows somebody. It's funny how that that kind of uh, people know each other, and, and you get a phone call or an email or a text like, "Hey, would you watch this guy?" And our approach is, we will we will really recruit anywhere in the country if if guys truly um, are open to traveling. I mean, you look at our roster; some of our best players 
in recent history have come from all over the uh, United States. I mean, our punters from Australia, we've got a tackle from, from Russia. And, I mean, DT was from Florida. And we've got guys from, from really everywhere. So we, uh, we want to make sure, that, though, they, they are willing to leave. They're okay with, with traveling away from home. Some kids want to. Some kids want to go and have an experience, you know, go and do something unique and something different. So uh, that was just uh, – we got a couple guys on staff that got an email, got a phone call, and actually paid attention. It's like, hey, if you're willing to go, we're willing to recruit you. That's kind of how that, that happened. Um, you're right. A lot of the other guys we do have contact with or we, we, at least, we at least knew enough about them in the earlier recruiting process. It crossed paths with them earlier in the process that when they hit the portal, they either contacted us immediately or we knew they may be hitting the portal and we were able to you know, really reach out to them fairly quickly. The portal process is happening very quick. There's more people in the portal than there are available spots. And I think that's been documented enough that kids know that they can't wait and they can't, uh, they can't be lazy about the process. They have to be proactive. So some of these guys reached out to us and we've evaluated them once they did. Some of them, we, uh, you know, we saw them hit the portal and, and really just reached out because of either past relationships or just need. And, and there's a little bit of everything in that list. Uh, a lot of these guys are JUCO players in this particular case. So it was a more of a traditional recruiting uh, approach. You know, really saw them in the spring, saw them early in the fall, recruited them all year. Uh, so there are more veteran players from the junior college level this year than, than what we took last year. Although a guy like Micah Davis is not your typical JC guy. Played at Air Force, scored a touchdown against us last year. We still remember seeing, you know, number zero flying down the middle field. So we knew a lot about him. Um, you know, Strong, Javar Strong played for us at Arkansas State, had a good feel for who he was. Jalen Martin started his career at Cal. So even though some of these guys, it's, they're graduated from junior colleges, uh, they were at four-year uh, programs, Power Five programs originally, and, and so that is a little bit of a non-traditional recruiting process, if that makes sense. Hey, Coach Patrick Mayhorn with the Aggieship. How important was it to get McKay uh, committed early and sort of into to lead the class? And what does he kind of bring as a as a player? Well, he brings a tons of things as a player. I mean, ten seven hundred meter guy that can make every throw to go head to head with Washington State on him and, and be able to get him to stay at home. Uh, he committed to us and then took a visit to Washington State with an offer. Uh, I can promise you that whole weekend I didn't get a lot of sleep. But he came back, said, Coach, you know, Utah State's where I want to be. It's where I'm feeling at home. He's never wavered since. Went on to play a, and win a state championship off of, off of an ankle injury. Competitive, fast, mobile, uh, can make every throw. Uh, he's a great guy to build around. Hey, Coach, uh, Eric Franson with 106.9 The Fan. I want to ask you about uh, two other high school recruits just from here in Cache Valley with Jackson Olson and Justice, Justice Enna. You already have a couple of Cache Valley kids on the roster, but uh, getting a few more, uh, what does that mean to, to your program and what did you see out of them? Well, you, you love to have kids that, that, that want to stay at home. Everybody's seeing the, the success that Ike is having on the field, and that's awesome to have a local kid that's playing at that high level. We think that both those guys have the same opportunity you know, Justice was was signed earlier in this process and went on mission, so he'll be coming back and, and getting in with us in January, which would be great. And we've got him listed as a D lineman. We really don't know if he's an offensive or defensive lineman. He's played both, but both sides of the ball really like him. And, and then Jackson, one of those kids that we got a chance to see play basketball, see in camps, 
absolutely fell in love with him day one and, and, and recruited him early. He committed early. And we were really, really close to being able to get him here, here in January, which would have been awesome. But I just think it's great for the for the brand and great for the Valley to have some local guys that, that we think have really, really bright futures. Coach, Brian Phillips again. I got a question about um, basically just junior college recruiting in general. A lot of these guys that are coming up and maybe have had redshirt sophomore years or will be coming in as juniors would have been high school seniors in 2020 when the COVID year hit and the NCAA made the decision to extend everyone's eligibility clock by a year, meaning that most colleges didn't have a lot of room for a lot of high school freshmen. Do you feel like this year and maybe possibly even next year, the junior college talent is going to be stronger than usual? Well, I definitely think we're finding guys that are at the junior college level. Uh, Tavion Coleman is a great example that COVID just affected him in a way that shut down his recruiting almost completely. Uh, and you look at this list, you've got uh, guys that just were under-recruited. The opportunities weren't there and rosters were full. I think you add COVID and then you add portal. Uh, I believe there's going to be a lot of really good players that take the junior college approach to get on the field and get re-recruited and get a better look. Uh, there are a lot of programs that, that are really attacking the portal heavy, which is going to reduce your numbers for high school and JUCO players right now. Uh, COVID, as you mentioned, has attacked it on the front end, and there are guys that just got missed in the recruiting process. So we, we tried to take an approach that look at players. Don't, don't necessarily look where they're coming from. What do they fit, high school or veteran, just in that sense? High school or veteran, veteran being transfers from JUCOs or portal players, do they fit the need and do they fit the culture? And we found a lot of value in the JUCO ranks. You know, I spent four years coaching that level and, and had some great players that played for me. And we've had success with those guys in the past. Had a tremendous amount of success at Arkansas State with Kansas JUCO players, Mississippi JUCO players, Texas. And so all those, you know, all those kind of previous wins for us along the way factored into us feeling like this is a place that we could go. And, and I like the guys that we have uh, signed today. And I think they all fit us in their own way for different reasons. Coach Jacob Nielsen again. Can I ask yeah, you to elaborate a little bit more for me about getting so many in-state kids in the high school and just kind of year three of the recruiting class, I guess, just how much more and more comfortable it, are you guys as a coaching staff? And then also tell me about Coach DJ's role in um, recruiting in-state kids. Well, DJ does a phenomenal job. Uh, DJ has a passion for this place, having played here, uh, has a passion for the state and high schools and knows every single coach in the state. He is the primary in-state recruiter and does a phenomenal job. I said this when I got the job and I meant it. I know every year is going to be different, but we are going to start at home. We made a ton of offers last year uh, early in the process. We did not sign all those guys. There's no way to do that. We're, we're chasing guys that have power five offers. We're battling BYU and Utah head-to-head, -head, the Pac-12, the Big 12. And honestly, nationally at this point, Utah players are traveling from coast to coast, which is scary because we'd love to keep them all here at home. We want to start at home. The needs that we have on the roster dictate how many high school kids we can take at each position. 
We only have so many numbers and we have significant needs. And if that means we have to go take uh, a JC or transfer player to be able to compete each fall to win championships, which is the standard here, we'll do that. But every opportunity we have to take a high school kid and develop them, we will absolutely do that. And we're always going to start in the state of Utah first. I mean, there's a great base here. But now every year is different. Some years have more than others. This year was more big guys, more, uh, you know, kind of mid-skill and, and big guys. Last year there was a ton of speed uh, that, that went all over the all over the country. So we uh, you just have to kind of take it as it comes, evaluate it, evaluate your needs, and then make offers and battle where you can. And hopefully in the future we will win more and more battles here at home. But this is, a, I think, a really, really good class with nine guys. As I said earlier, probably more like 14 or 15 when you consider the preferred walk-ons that had one double A and division two offers that are going to come here instead. Uh, I think it's a great start and a great foundation for what we want to do. Coach Eric Franson, once again, uh, the recruiting process now that NIL is certainly much more of a thing this year than it was a year ago. What was that process like for you and your recruiting process and your coaching staff? I will say this, um, these kids, every one of these kids chose this place. Uh, I think for the, for the location, for the culture, for the opportunity to win, the opportunity to play. Uh, none of these kids signed with us because of some promise as it pertains to NIL. They know that we are in the process of organizing and, and, and making operational a collective, which I think would be great for all the kids on our roster, not just signees, but every kid on our roster. And, and I know there are people that are working on that, but, but that's not what this recruiting process was about for the kids that signed. Now, uh, in full transparency, it did come up a lot. It was a question that was asked a lot a year ago. Not very much at all, if any. This year, I would say almost every conversation, there was a question as to NIL, the opportunities here in the Valley, a collective, is there something in place? So it is becoming more and more a, a common conversation in the process of recruiting, and it's, it's here to stay. It's, it's only going to become more, more prevalent as we move forward. Anything else, guys? Yeah, Brian Phillips again, real quick, Coach. Go ahead. Maybe just talk about Gavin Barthill real quick, your other four-year transfer. What are you looking from for him coming into the spring and moving into fall camp? Well, we want him to come in and compete for a job. He knew what the room looked like. He knew that, uh, you know, that MJ and, and AJ had played great, that Max had come in and played well. Uh, we knew that that Cione was, was probably going to put his name in the portal. It just felt like he was uh, kind of getting passed up athletically and wanted to find a place where he could impact. You know, Gavin's got three years of eligibility. And so he's not a guy that's got to come in and play immediately, although he has the ability to do so. We had good conversations with the guys at Washington State. We watched all of his tape, both high school and anything that we saw from the games that he was on the field and thought he was a super, super natural fit. Uh, once we got to know him, felt even better about it. He's a guy that knows he's got to come compete, but not afraid of it. Makes our, our team better. Should be, again, a four-team starter in terms of special teams and ability to plug and play on, on defense, if not uh, as a solid role player, but potentially compete for a starting job. And that's what we tell them all. We're not guaranteeing anybody a starting job. We guarantee everybody the opportunity to fight for one. And he chose that and took, uh, took uh, the, the offer and committed knowing exactly what he was stepping into. And I think we got a guy that can really run, that will play downhill, is extremely smart, and loves ball. And so he, uh, he's already been out here on the West Coast, even though he's from Florida, but fits us and fits our defense really well. 
We'll do one final question on signing day. If anybody has one, and then we'll transition into the bowl game. All right. Bowl game, guys, we good? Yeah. All right. Just in terms of the bowl game, uh, we, uh, we're excited about going. Uh, practice yesterday was the first prep practice from Memphis, and, and just watching the guys fly around, we look, we look light on our feet, fresh. The, the time off has been helpful uh, for guys just to feel better. We, uh, we have a big challenge. Memphis is a very big physical run the ball right at your football team. Uh, at times this year, we've looked really good in that, you know, in that setting. Uh, at times, we've not. So the challenge is to be more physical than them up front uh, and, and focus on the game. You know, bowl games provide a ton of opportunity to be distracted. Talked to the team yesterday about being able to compartmentalize the week, take advantage of the bowl opportunities that they present. We've heard nothing but great things about the First Responders Bowl and the people that run it, but also our ability to be ready to focus when needed, also, you know, able to relax and enjoy the environment. And so that's what we're going we're gonna to try to do. We'll get a few guys back that have been banged up for the most part. We're going to play with the roster that was playing there at the end of the season. We have lost a handful of guys to the portal that are looking to drop down and play at some lower levels. And, and so we'll, uh, you know, it'll be kind of all hands on deck, see who can step in and step up and help us find a way to get to number seven. Seven and six would sound a lot better than six and seven for us. Uh, you know, neither of those are earth shattering, but but just the momentum that you carry into the offseason with a win to be able to send the senior class out with a winning season will be huge. And considering all the turmoil and chaos we went through early in the year to kind of get to this point, uh, nothing will be, you know, more exciting to see these guys, you know, have a bowl championship. Questions? Hey, Coach Alden down at the radio station. Let's talk about their quarterback then. This Seth Hannigan looks like he he can make plays. He's a thrower. He's a freshman All-American. Uh, besides, you talk about them coming downhill and running at you, but it looks like he, they can throw the ball too. They can. He's really, really mobile and athletic, loves to move the chains with his feet. Uh, yeah, they start with the run game, but, but they're going to make you commit bodies to the box, and then they can hurt you throwing it. He, he can make all the throws, very athletic. He's one of those kind of scrappy, competitive – football players, and it shows. I had a chance to watch him play several times this year, and he always seemed to make the play when he needed to, you know, when, when things were most critical. Coach Anderson, Jason Turner, I just wanted to ask you, I honestly haven't done as much prep on Memphis as I would like to. I'll do a lot. Neither have I been tomorrow. trying to recruit, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, just I wanted to ask you about Xavier Collins. Uh, had a big season for them. Recovered, he's recovered four fumbles. Uh, what, what do you see from him that makes him so effective? You know, just always seem to be in the right place at the right time to me. Uh, you know, some guys just have a knack for that. Seems to be his thing. Very disruptive. Um, you know, I think they they play in a good league. They play a competitive style of defense. They're not afraid to mix it up. And they play against a physical, you know, offense every day. And, and I know Ryan fairly well. He kind of takes an old school approach uh, of getting after it in practice every day. Uh, and I think that's where you start creating opportunities and guys – know how to be the first to the ground, be right there when you need to. He just shows up on film in that way. Coach, Jason Walker with Cash Valley Daily. Um, Memphis, Memphis has given up a lot of passing yards. They've also played a lot of really good quarterbacks. you feel like maybe their defense is a little underrated in that way? Well, I think you said it. They play, they play a lot of really good people, and, and it's hard to keep numbers down uh, when you play the skill that they're playing against. Uh, so I don't, I don't let stats give me a whole lot. I really kind of trust my eye. I see length and speed and guys that can run around. 
so I, I don't know that the stats are, are as telling as, as what you see on tape. Coach, I'll ask another one now. Al Lewis, uh, what do you remember the game that you coached against, Coach Silverfield, that first game? What was it, 2020? What What do you remember that game? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a close game all day. Uh, they uh, Very similar to what you see now, a team that's committed to running the ball with big bodies up front. Both O-line and D-line are built really, really long and, and big. Uh, play action, RPO, throw game. They broke up on the game, uh, you know, kind of hitting us and uh, in, in that area, they, they ran the ball well, hit a couple of big runs, and then the explosive throw. Uh, they made it tougher on us to move the ball all day long because they were built well up front. Uh, they just don't make a lot of mistakes. Very sound, very well coached. Uh, they play well in special teams. Uh, their return teams both have been very effective. It's a place that, you know, you get to cover well and get them on the ground. Uh, so, I mean, all three phases are going to come in play. He was there before. They were winning a lot of games. Uh, when he was uh, when he was a position coach and elevated, and really nothing has changed. He's continued to uh, to run a really good program. Then uh, I wanted to ask about can Ike play in this game physically? He didn't play against Boise State. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be day to day for him today. If we played today, he would not. But he was feeling better in practice yesterday. Uh, Mike Anyuana should be back. Uh, AJ Carter should be back. John Ward has a chance to get back on the field. Guys that that missed that game. I'm probably honestly missing a couple more. We were pretty light uh, that last game. Uh, Andre Grayson has opted out uh, of the bowl game, and so he will not be on our roster. Decided to kind of move on. He's a senior, graduated and getting married and just got some things in his life he wants to go do. So, I mean, we're, we're going to need all hands on deck here. You've seen the guys that have gone on the portal as well. Most of those guys were backups on special teams here or there maybe would have taken a play, you know, or two. But for the most part, uh, the team that played against Boise with the addition of A.J. Mike, John Ward, and possibly Ike, that, that's kind of the group I would expect us to, to put on the field. Coach Jacob Nielsen, um, the, this Memphis team, obviously the record doesn't show, but they've, they've been really battle-tested and playing a really tough schedule. They've been in several close games. What do you have to say about that and just – all the just the narrow margins that they've had this season. Yeah, I think records can be deceiving. I, I think we're a, a better team than our record indicates. You know, just a lot of a lot of things that that kind of uh, hindered us early in the year from being who we needed to be. We've played much better down the stretch. Uh, they they play a tough schedule. They play good people. Uh, you never know what kind of injuries and stuff they've had to overcome. But they're a good football team. It's it's a great challenge. They're always competitive week to week, even with the best teams in their league. Uh, made tough games of it. So that's just who I've come to know them to be for quite a long time. I haven't been right there down the road from them. That's that's who they were the whole time I was at Arkansas State. That really hasn't changed. Coach Brian Phillips again. Typically, Utah State ends up playing in a pre-Christmas bowl game, Idaho Potato Bowl, Arizona, New Mexico Bowl, stuff like that. How do you guys feel about playing in a post-Christmas bowl game? And, and, you know, how how does that work as far as preparation and stuff like that yeah i mean i think that it's just just honored to get to play period when you're sitting there one and four man playing in a bowl game regardless of what day it is sounds pretty good uh, we uh we gave the guys a week to get away uh during finals most of them were able to do their finals uh, remotely or had done them before the window opened so most of these guys got to go home for four or five days we ran and lifted over the course of the what little break we had uh, as, as our staff recruited and practice yesterday indicated, man, they're excited to be back and excited about the game. So 
Um, I just look back to where we were early in the season struggling and, and just the, the thought of playing in a bowl game seemed like a huge challenge. So to be able to go from one and four to six and six, you know, I know that's not, that's not our standard, but it says a lot about this team and they're excited to go play um, and, and to try to finish the right way. So it's a logistically, it's a little bit of a nightmare at times, but we'll make the best of it. Yeah, Coach Patrick Mayhorn again. Um, this Memphis offense has a lot of skill guys who can who can hurt you, who will touch the ball. They've got uh, five or six receivers who've had a, a lot of contri- contributions, a lot of running backs. How do you deal with that as a defense, knowing that it can go so many different places? Yeah, they balance you out, and then you add a quarterback that can run. Uh, so you get spread thin, and you're not really focused on a jersey number as much as you are playing them honestly across the board. Uh, that's one of the best things that they do. They commit to running the ball, they run it physically, but then they spread the ball out to everybody. Uh, it makes them a big challenge. There's no doubt. It, it makes it, it difficult. And there's different kinds of balance. There's offense, you know, run and pass uh, balance, but when you spread the ball to that many people, it's hard to get a bead on where it's going to go next. you got to play them straight across the board, and it, it presents a different challenge than, than uh, a team that hands it to one guy and throws it to one guy all day. Um, you know, our defense is going to have to do a good job of being sound and being where they need to be uh, and, and making sure that we can uh, kind of keep things in front of us. They, they thrive off of bringing you downhill to play the run and then a the shot play over the top. Appreciate it, folks. Hunter, Hunter Jason Walker with uh, Cash Valley Daily. Uh, just tell me your uh, impressions of the, the Memphis uh, passing offense and uh, what challenge they'll, they'll provide for you guys. Yeah, no, they're, they're a good passing offense. Uh, quarterback distributes the ball, have a lot of receivers and tight ends that are really dangerous. I mean, they have a lot of guys, you know, in the 500 to 400 yard mark, which shows that they just like distributing the ball evenly. So anyone's a threat on any given play. So it's really gonna, you know, make us have to be on top of our game all game long, because you never know who could hurt you. Hunter Jacob Nielsen, KSL.com. What are kind of your emotions like knowing that this is gonna be your final game that you ever play in college football? Yeah, funny enough, uh, I was thinking about it yesterday. I don't know if it's really hit me yet. Like, I'm kind of just going at it like it's a normal game, watching film, uh, preparing the way I normally would. So I think once the game's over with and, you know, I'm on a flight home, not back to Logan, Utah, I think that's when it's really going to hit me that, yeah, you know, it's done. I'm moving on to the, uh, the next stage of my career. Hey, Hunter, Al Lewis from KVNU. As you get into this bowl game then, again, some people might be missing in the secondary of what you've had before. How do you feel comfortable about the group that will be around you who can play this game uh, health-wise and stuff and personnel-wise? I feel good about it. Uh, we have guys who throughout the year, some of them have gotten bigger roles and step up as the year went on. So I think those, uh, those reps they had been invaluable for them. And then I think we just have a lot of guys who have played a lot all year who are going to be playing in the game. So, you know, I think we're a confident group. We don't, no matter who's out there, we have confidence in them to do their job. And I think we'll, you know, we'll be good. I was just going to ask uh, Hunter, just your, your your feelings now, just where this season kind of started and now where you guys are able to finish, being able to get the reward of going to a bowl game and just uh, ups and downs of the season and being able to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a roller coaster of a season, obviously. That uh, stretch of September couldn't have been couldn't have been worse, really. But I think it uh, it allowed a young team to kind of grow, kind of mature, learn from it. And I think that all those lessons we learned at that time of the season kind of carried over to the to the end of it. So that's kind of what helped us, you know, go five and two in those last seven games and kind of end the season on you know a high note. And then it just feels good to be in a bowl game and 
have an opportunity to end your season with a with a win. My question again was going to be that just generally the team have you guys while the coaches have been recruiting you guys have kind of been together I guess a little bit some of you are around here what has been the talk of playing in this bowl game and the excitement about playing a Memphis where you could have played somebody else that's a pretty good name that you get in this bowl game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a there's a sense of excitement. Uh, I think we just have a guy team full of guys who love playing football, love being around each other. So to have one more opportunity to be with the guys, uh, you know, we love that. We love just the daily process of practicing, getting better, uh, keep, keep continually improving. And I think that for myself, this obviously, like you said, it's my last game, but um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, just to, you know, be able to kind of impart a legacy on the guys that are coming back and help them, you know, take the next step for next year. I think that, uh, you know, that's something that we're all really, really looking forward to in this bowl process. Hunter, Brian Phillips, Big Blue USU Aggie News. Do you have any postseason, um, like all-star game type opportunities following the bowl game? Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, the plan is after the game, go to the uh, College Gridiron Showcase down in Texas on January 7th. And then from there, see what are the opportunities, uh, uh, other opportunities come up. But for now, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the plan. All right, we got a senior running back, Calvin Tyler. Obviously, Calvin's a Texas native, so you guys can ask Calvin questions. Hey, Calvin, Al Lewis from KV, and you, uh, uh, that was kind of part of what I was going to ask you. But again, thank you for playing because you've already said you really want to go into pro football. A lot of guys make that announcement at the end of the year, and they say they're not going to play the bowl game. So you playing this game, going back to Texas, finishing your career as an Aggie or as a college player in, in this game in Texas, what does that all mean and, and your decision to play in this and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, that's out there. Uh, I'm definitely playing. It was never like my intentions for that to like be misconstrued or whatever. Like, I'm definitely playing in the bowl game. Like, yeah, I I, w- I would do anything. Like, <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, this mean a lot. It's like a Cinderella story to me. Like, everything all comes to the end. Like in Texas, like in front of my family, like they never got to see me play. Most of them never got to see me play in college. So like, it's a blessing. You know? I'm excited. I'm excited for this opportunity. Calvin, uh, Jason Turner from the Herald Journal. I just wanted to get an idea. How many family members, friends are you anticipating they're going to be able to make it to the bowl? I got over. I, my teammates probably will get mad at me a little, but I got over like 40 tickets. Honestly, I was grinding. I was hitting from. I was hitting all my teammates up, like going up to them in their face, making sure they sent the ticket. Like I got over 40 some tickets, so it's going to be a lot of family there. Calvin, Brian Phillips, Big Blue, USU Aggie News. You were a workhorse out of the running back spot for us all year long. How are you feeling physically now that you've had a couple of weeks off? Uh, I'm refreshed. Like, at practice yesterday, I feel great. I, a lot of guys feel great. You can see we was moving around really fast. We was playing with urgency. Like, I mean, it was a little winded, but, I mean, it comes with the first day. But, like, other than that, you can see how fresh we are. And my body's back fresh. I'm, I'm ready for this game. Really and Calvin, specifically about Memphis, the one thing it does look like they won't—they haven't allowed four yards of rush, so it looks like they're big and strong physically up front to run the ball against. What do you see of their defense, and what do you anticipate in this game from their defense? Yeah, they, uh, they're very physical. They D line is like good. That's probably like side San Jose. That's probably gonna be one of the best D lines we face this year, and uh, I'm excited for the challenge. Like I know them guys are gonna be ready to play. My whole line—they're gonna be ready to play. The team gonna be ready to play. So. We excited for the challenge and uh, this opportunity.
we know what we uh, we face and we know these guys will come to work. They will come to play. Hey, Calvin, Eric Franson with 106.9 The Fan. Just uh, post bowl game, right? Immediately after, what does that look like for you with your time frame and, and your schedule? Right after the bowl game, I probably get like two days off, three days off, then I'm getting right into uh, training. I'm going to be down in uh, Atascocito area, Houston area, getting some good work with uh, Derek Blaylock, one of the best speed coaches in Texas. So I'm excited. And, um, yeah, I'm, very, I'm, I'm excited. So I know, like, me and uh, Coach Keaton talked about, like, this probably be one of my busiest offseason. Like, just, like, becoming, like, probably I'm about to be a rookie in the NFL or whatever. Like, it's going to be one of my busiest offseason. I just Anything noticed, Calvin. Yeah, let me ask you one more then. I, I just noticed, you know, we signed this kid uh, running back from Texas. You're a Texas guy. We've got, again, we hope uh, our, our young guy, Mr. Bridal, get healthy towards next year and all. What do you think of Texas running back staying for the Utah State in the future? Uh, I love it. I'm here for it, most definitely. I don't, I'm not against any running back, but, like, I love when I see some Texas running backs running that ball. Now, I got the chance to talk to the uh, running back that committed uh, uh, well, today, that side today. So I got to uh, talk to him yesterday. I think we're getting an amazing young man. Uh, he's explosive. He's fast. He, he's bigger than me. And, you know, he's, he's going to be a monster. I'm excited uh, to watch him work, him and Robert Briggs, Jordan Wilmore, Cooper. Bailey, Dav- Bailey Davenport, like, we've got some guys in that room that could ball, man. I'm excited to see them. Uh, the, f- the future is bright. Calvin, I got one for you really quick. Um, Jacob Nielsen, with, besides, obviously, you want to get a win against Memphis, but what, what overall, what's kind of your goal for the bowl game and the experience you want to have and just how you want to perform for your team in the final game? I want to go out with a bang. I want my teams to remember, like, I want the team to remember me who I was all season, like somebody that's gonna be ready to play regardless of what game it is or whenever it is. Like this bowl game, this is another opportunity to play, so I'm gonna take full advantage of it. It's not gonna be no walking apart, nothing like that. Like I'm excited. Like like you said, we want to win. So just like last year, we want to end on a good note. How you want to be remembered? Like this season can coming out like a what winning a uh, 500 over 500. It's a blessing. So most definitely, I'm I'm excited for the challenge. I'm ready to get to work.